Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade, Stephen. Hello. Hello, Stephen. How are you today, sir? Wonderful. You ready to drink some beer and talk yes. about beer? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's my Friday night. I know. I'm jealous. I still have one day of work tomorrow. <laughs> you have to actually physically go in? or? Oh, I, uh, I went in all week, but I get to telework tomorrow. So. Ah, good. Cool. I get an extra like 45 minutes of sleep and yeah, it's nice. <laughs> the commute is walking down my stairs. Yeah. <laughs> the best commute ever. Yeah, it's the greatest. Okay, today we have a fun topic. We're going to talk about the road to becoming a Cicerone, which I know is one of, it's on Steve's bucket list, I believe. It is, although now that I've done some research, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is a bigger uh, undertaking than I thought previously. I knew it was big, but it's bigger. Ah, okay. I'm excited to hear what you discovered. Yeah. Plus, we've got some. Course, I, there's some fun stuff too today. Okay. Good I'm beer excited. news, good postscripts. Get, strap in. Action-packed episode. <laughs> it's a good one. All right. Well, before we get to any of that fun stuff, we have to do the best part for us of the podcast, which is drinking beer. So I will introduce my beer. I give some nose notes before I pass it to Stephen to do the same, and then we give tasting notes after we enjoy. What do you so think? So I'm today? drinking a beer you brought me. So this is Ingenious Brewing, and this is Joy Joy. So this is a stout with almonds, coconut, and chocolate. So it's a little bit of a play on like an Almond Joy candy bar. And it's 8.3%. Nice. I've had this one, actually. You like this one? Yes. Yeah, it's really okay. good. I'm excited. And I actually took it out like 10 minutes ago, so it's like probably the perfect temperature. I usually forget to take them out, and they're ice cold. Okay, so this <laughs> port, like, <laughs> it's like jet black. It, um... Kind of, I mean, kind of what you'd expect from a style, but it's actually quite dark. And then it did produce quite a bit of head, really thin bubbles, kind of creating a carpet there at the top of the beer. But I have a feeling it's going to dissipate quite quickly. Ooh, there's all the chocolate on the nose. Definitely some coconut. And then kind of your standard stout backbone. Like rye bread. Smells like rye bread, chocolate, coconut. I think I'm going to like this one. But I'll let you introduce your beer before I try this one. What are you drinking today, Stephen? Nice. All right. I have a beer I've been wanting to try for a while. This is from Energy City Brewing, just outside Chicago in Batavia, Illinois. It is from their Bistro line, which is their smoothie sour line. Uh, it's called Pink Ambrosia. It's a Berliner style Weiss beer with pink guava, pink grapefruit, coconut, marshmallows, and natural flavors. Wow, sounds so, cool. Yeah. I think I mentioned last week on the untapped top 10 Berliner Weiss beers. Uh, Trillium owns the top four or five, but then Energy City Brewing gets the next five. Oh, their, cool. From their Bistro series. I don't think this one specifically was in that top 10, but I'm excited. It's pouring uh, a nice pink. I, I know what color pink is this week <laughs> <laughs> um, with uh, kind of a pink tinged head as well. Whoa, a lot of guava in the nose, like a tropical paradise in my nose. Uh, definitely a touch of that grapefruit as well. And that um, kind of marshmallow sweetness 
is perceptible in the nose as well. Oh, this is going to be fun. All right, I'm excited. Cheers. All right, cheers. Okay, this tastes like a candy bar in a good way. <laughs> you get sweet chocolate and coconut in the entrance, and then you really do get like that almond flavor. It's really good. I love I love almonds. And then you get kind of like dark malt. And then the finish is like dark chocolate, and there is a touch of alcohol heat at the end there. Which isn't a bad thing. It's not overpowering, but you kind of go, okay, yeah, this has some booze in it. And then the mouth feels, it's kind of like, it's definitely creamy a little bit. It's a little thin in the entrance. It's a little bit like, um, it's kind of, I know that sounds wrong, but it's like creamier at the end. It's like syrup and cream. It almost seems like it gets thicker, like as the beer develops in your mouth. But yeah, this is a fun one. Yeah, thumbs up on this one. Ingenious makes a lot of fun beers. So, all right, this one is amazing this bistro pink ambrosia sour the taste is dominated by the grapefruit more than in the nose the nose was guava dominant and it's more bitter than i kind of expected really uh, hmm. yeah with the with the marshmallow i thought it'd be a little bit sweeter the finish is certainly sweet you get a pretty good bitter grapefruit at the beginning the guava lends sort of more to the sourness of the beer it has a very thick mouthfeel like coconut milk thick <laughs> and uh and like i said a nice sweet finish but i mean it's about as perfect as you can get with a smoothie sour honestly i can see why this series is ranked so high um because sometimes they're i don't know i mean of course i mean they're smoothie sour so they're just kind of gimmicky but this feels like they put a lot of like thought and effort and and time to make this beer make at least this one if not the whole series feel like you're drinking something good and not gimmicky yeah there's like thought it's not just like they threw um lucky charms or something <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's it's very well balanced um for what would be you know usually considered a very gimmicky beer I, I think like the flavors are very well balanced everything comes out i think like how they want it to be and the like i said the grapefruit kind of dominates the flavor and it's not super sweet it's uh, you know you get a pretty bitter grapefruit flavor but it's it's very nicely balanced with the marshmallow sweetness towards the end so see that's super interesting that you're getting like the sourness of the grapefruit that's cool it's very very good i drink this for breakfast <laughs> all right awesome maybe so i will that... <laughs> <laughs> well you can tomorrow it's your day off <laughs> i can't um or is that gonna be a thumbs i'm just assuming that's a thumbs up oh yeah 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 now, now i'm gonna try and get more from this bistro series for sure yeah that sounds cool i'm trying to figure out if i drink it i feel like i tr had one of the bistro series but i can't remember but yeah if i see them on tower i'll definitely grab one yeah i know you had a batisserie series from them which was the it was like a banana something chocolate oh that's right it was a it wasn't one of their sours it was a um stout yeah 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 okay so i have had that but i don't i don't think i've ever had anything I don't think I've ever had a sour from them, so I'll see if I can get one. I think sometimes those pop up on Tavor, which I'm now back on, back on the sauce. <laughs> which they're is so funny stealing. because I'm like, I'm so, I don't know, I like, I'm, I, I do get the notifications and I see stuff, but I'm just like, meh, 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 like <laughs> every day. Oh, uh, they, they have, they did not forget me, Steven. <laughs> They know exactly what I want to see. They send me all the stouts that I'm like, I send them to you and I put question marks and if I should get them or not. And so far they've been quite successful. <laughs> 
So we'll see. I'm gonna do like a couple. Pieces. I look at the price and it's super expensive. I'm like, yeah, you should get it. You should get that. Price. Oh, you're you're <laughs> you're on their side. You're working with them. Yeah, I'm figuring like I'll do a couple boxes and then I'll have I'll have stouts. I'll have uh, barrel aged stouts for the for another like six months of podcast episodes. Yeah, nothing is quite caught me. I don't know what will catch me, honestly, because there have been a few things where I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting, but I don't know. Nothing has quite pulled me back yet, so we'll see. Well, don't resist. Stay strong for me, because I, I've, my strength has failed. Okay, so let's Okay, see. okay. Can I go to beer number two? Oh, I didn't know you had two beers. I know. I'm surprising you with this. This is a very exciting moment right now. Okay. So one of my favorite beers of all time I've talked about before is Otraves from Sierra Nevada. The prickly pear goza. Well, that was the original recipe. The yes. original recipe was made with prickly pear. They have a new recipe now with agave and lime, and it's terrible. They betrayed us. Yeah. So, as many of you may know, I am obsessed with Martin House Brewing in Fort Worth, Texas. They put out, honestly, it's like every week there's some new release of a new sour from them, and they're all, they've all been amazing. To this week, they released a beer called Lizard Queen. I like the name. <laughs> it is a prickly pear goza. <gasps> so, Do you have one? Do you have one? I have one in front of me, and I'm going to try it. This is I have not tried it yet. Okay, I'm excited it's, for you. I wanted to, on the podcast, see if it brings back any memories or if it's even close. What's interesting is this is 8%. That's a much different ABV than the original Ultra Base. Yeah, yeah. Ultra Base, I think, is like 4 or 5, maybe, at the yeah. most. But Martin House does a really good job of hiding their alcohol, so... Okay. Smelling a lot sweeter on the nose than I remember. And also, full disclosure, it's been a very long time since I've had a Ultra Base original recipe. So. And they might not have tried to make it taste the same. Right. Okay. Definitely bringing back memories on the first sip. Really? Yeah. I do think this beer, however, if I had to like go completely off memory, this beer is actually a little bit more sour and slightly more sweet than hmm. Ultra Base. So... Ultra Base kind of had more, I don't know, it was a little bit more slightly tart wheat. Like, I think, uh, like, a real actual Leipzig Goza would be, like, just slightly mm-hmm. tart and more of the, like, kind of the salty at the end. This is very sweet. And very sour. Yes. But the flavors are there. I'm I think very I would excited like this about better. I think I would like this better. Really? How's the salt? It's there. It definitely makes you kind of lick your lips with the salt. Yeah, it's good. It is very good. I want to... I want to try this now. I'm excited. This yeah. is going to be... So wait, tell me... Wait, so, ana- analyze it for a second. Okay. Is this something... Can this be like a mainstay go-to goza for you? I think so. It's very good. The problem is, it can't be a mainstay goza because nothing... <gasps> is it temporary? Yeah, nothing Martin House makes. Like, it's just... This will be in the stores for a few weeks. Oh. And probably never see it again. Well, that's kind of sad. You got to drink, I, you gotta I drink have, as many as you go. can. <laughs> I have to go buy as many as I can find, but it's very good. It's very solid. Again, not probably not exactly similar. It would be amazing to do a side by side, but definitely bringing back some memories. Like, oh yeah, okay, now I because prickly pear is not really a flavor that you sort of hold on your in your memory. Yeah, it's just not a flavor you come across very often at all. Yeah, so like tasting that, I'm like, oh yes, okay, now I know, now I remember. Remember how Gervais tasted, but this is definitely a little bit more sweet, a little bit more sour. Okay. It's like a Gervais that's been turned up a little bit. With a nice little ABV boost. <laughs> hey, that doesn't hurt. Mm, that finish is really good, though. 
The finish is very pear. Nice pear finish. Okay, very cool. I have two really good beers sitting in front of me right now. <laughs> yeah, you you are really <laughs> celebrating your Friday. <laughs> I mean, is there any other way? No, I don't think so. Not okay, for but, us, Steven. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of Gozas, do you? So we always talk about Anderson Valley Gozas, the Briny Melon, Cherry Goza, all that. Do you remember yes. the the G and T version? Yeah, that was the one of the variants I didn't like. Really? Yeah, but I don't really like gin. Yeah, so it's the gin and tonic Goza. Oh, I just thought of it today. We were talking about gin at work today, and gin and tonics, and I was like. You know what? I don't even I don't think they make that one anymore. Maybe it wasn't popular, but that wouldn't uh, surprise me. It was they definitely nailed like what they were going for. It tasted like the gin and tonic, but yeah, I don't I, like gin and tonics. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is I remember like not even thinking about like, oh, what does G and T mean and drinking it and um sort of like when I realized what I was like, oh, gin and tonic goes on. And I was like, oh, yeah, this they did nail that. So I remember yeah. how, how well they executed it. I'm a huge gin fan. So in terms of alcohol, beer is first and then gin is second for me. So I liked that one, but I don't think it was a fan favorite. Well, that makes sense. If you really like gin, I think they nailed it. But yeah, yeah. again, I just don't really like gin. But you liked that. Um, remember the sour from Single Hill Brewing in Seattle? Oh, you're right. I did like that one. I liked that one. That was a little kind of a play on with like gin herbals in it. So. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I don't know what the difference. I don't know why. Yeah. How many beers had I had before I tried that one? <laughs> <laughs> also, that's another thing. Do you know what came up on my memories today? Is that Seattle trip? That was a year ago. Oh, are you serious? I can't a believe it. Full year ago. Is that mind blowing? I can't believe it's been a year. Can we go on another trip like that? Yeah. I guess sounds like it seems like it's time. It's time. It's been a whole year. <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah, that was amazing. So anyway. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I drank another beer. No, that was exciting. Okay. So we can move on to our next segment, which is postscripts and beer news. Postscripts is when we jump back to previous episodes to fix corrections, or sometimes we make a note to revisit a topic in a future episode. And we have one of those. And then beer news is, of course, self-explanatory. It's beer news. And we have some of that as well. So do you want to take us through our postscript, Stephen? Yes. So last week, we talked a little bit about like national days, like there would be like National IPA Day and National Sloth Day and National Avocado <laughs> Day and National... Yeah. Basically, you, know. you can think of it. There's a day of it. Yeah. So we kind of like were thinking like, oh, did these get... You know, are these like acts of Congress declaring these days? Like, who's declaring these days? All this stuff. My wife sent me an article this week saying like, hey, maybe this will help. Basically, this article, I think it was written like maybe 2013, so almost 10 years ago. But basically, it was an article all about these national days and how some of how they get their start and how they come to be. And they actually mentioned this website called it's like National Day Calendar. And it's like these I don't know, they don't even have that many employees, like 10 to 15 employees. And they take submissions for these national days. Okay. So you can, like, you have to do a full write-up on, you know, why you think your thing should be recognized and all this stuff. And they said something like they get, like, 20,000 applications a year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. And I assume at this point That's they're doubling. That's 54 topics per day if you just divide it out through a year. Per yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like every day has to have multiple things, right? Because there's 
there's like 1,700 days that they recognize. So there's multiple per day. (laughs) Yeah. So that was just like, I don't know, there's no like actual recognition or, um, you know, they're just like, they just started their website and they did this. So (laughs) it's kind of silly. There's another one, I guess it's kind of a competing uh, website that they sue for copyright. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, it's really stupid. But there was also like, the the interesting ones are the ones that are voted for by Congress, and a lot of it is motivated by like commercial, like commercially motivated, what they're trying to like make people buy or celebrate and that kind of stuff. So, one of them was National Ice Cream Day, which was uh, started during the Reagan administration, and at that time, the dairy industry had. For whatever reason, they had to, like excess dairy products and cheese and stuff. And so they were trying to move all this product. And so they declared it National Ice Cream Day to try and get people to eat more ice cream. And it stuck. It's like, you know, become a part of American culture, National Ice Cream Day. And it's even bigger now. Like all this, all these days are bigger now because you have social media. So you just hashtag National Whatever Day. And the article pointed out, too, that like, there were multiple huge important world events going on and what was trending on twitter that day was national avocado day <laughs> wow avocados trumping world events <laughs> yep i think that one was even that one wasn't even like government recognized that one was just from the national calendar today but people start if it starts trending on twitter it just gets big yeah, like, there is like that viral effect. Like if something starts going, it you know attracts more attention to itself. It's like it's a little bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I always think too. Like if you were just if you had enough followers and you just like posted like, "Hey everybody, happy National, uh, you know, Bear Day." Like, <laughs> everyone, oh yeah, everyone would just be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's National Bear Day," and they would just start tweeting. Could use your influencer power to make a <laughs> yeah fake day and then make like, a day. Yeah. yeah. And everyone would just believe it because nobody is fact checking these things. <laughs> no, they're just like retweeting it or whatever. That's funny. Okay, so what you're saying is none of these are really that official, and many of them are based on marketing. Yeah, it's all stupid. Okay, well I'm glad we cleared that up. Everything is stupid <laughs> except beer. Everything is commercially motivated. Yeah, that makes sense. Really. I guess I'm not surprised at all, but yeah. Because it is, like, I do, like, I know, like, na- I love donuts, so, like, I don't know where I remember what it is, but, like, National Donut Day, it's, like, oh, exciting. But then what do I do? I go buy donuts. So, yeah, it's very effective, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure donut shops love that day. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they hate it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they do. Oh, that actually reminds me of a great story from today. I just read about today. I don't know what day it was. Sometime in the last couple of days in New York City. Did you hear about this with Grubhub? That's so funny. I read this today, too. But tell us. So the Grubhub just decided like they did. There was some survey in New York said like 60 some odd percent of New Yorkers skip lunch or something every day or whatever. And Grubhub was like, we want to feed all the New Yorkers lunch. So they offered a deal where you get $15 off any meal in New York, any restaurant, any Grubhub restaurant in New York. Well, they did this without telling any of the restaurants Nice. So they were going to do this. And they just like sprung it on. And from like, it was like from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. or something. And so these people, like these restaurants, they were coming into their restaurant, opening the restaurant, and seeing that they had like 40, 50 Grubhub orders already. Jeez. Oh, and they're like, what? 
what is going on? And like, it was just terrible for them because they couldn't fulfill all these orders. Right. They, were, they were trying, they were running out of stuff. Like they weren't prepared for that. They weren't staffed for that. And it was just like, it reflected more poorly on them than Grubhub. Grubhub doesn't, right. didn't receive any of that backlash. It was these restaurants that were like not able to get orders out or they were getting orders out wrong or they weren't able to fulfill orders because they were running out of things. And this is terrible. <laughs> no, I saw that too, and I was getting so heated about it. Like, I guess I well, I'm halfway into the stout, and we haven't had a rant on this podcast in a long time, so I can I'll, I'm going for it. These companies don't add value to our economy in any way. Like, they're parasitic companies. Wow, you wrote an algorithm that can like place an order and then pay someone a minimum wage to go get it. Congratulations. Like, I don't understand why that's like that. That's your company. You know what I mean? Like, you're not doing anything. Yeah. You're just shifting yeah. the burden to a bunch of other people and then profiting. And you were literally, you're basically like a fancy reservation system that then like utilizes like a maps API. Like, cool. Yeah. You great, thanks. And with then you're no, gonna like with no yeah. loyalties to any of these restaurants. Exactly. And they don't care about the restaurants, they just care about like gathering fees for delivery. So yeah, yeah, there's your hot crazy. there's your hot take. I haven't had one on the podcast for a long time. Yeah, so hopefully it, <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully these restaurants stop working with Grub Hub. Well they said you can't even avoid it because they don't ask you. They just find your menu and post it. Really? Yeah. And then like people will call. And then they said there's a huge mismatch between like some restaurants update their menu, but then Grubhub doesn't make any effort to like stay current, especially if they don't uh, have a relationship with the restaurant. So oh then my the, gosh. the Grubhub menu doesn't match. So then when people place the order, they can't fill it. And that negatively, of course, negatively reflects on the restaurant because the consumer thinks oh, this restaurant can't fill my order. But in reality, they're just like posting. Grubhub just has an old version of their menu online and they literally don't care. It's pretty interesting. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> All right. So don't buy on Grubhub. Yeah, I honestly, after I, I guess that, Grubhub's I never like, going to sponsor our podcast. No, they're we not. But even if they offered, we would say no. We would say no. We're never going to get offered, but we'd say no. We have, yeah, uh, I just, we have morals here at Attenuation Beer Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And it is frustrating because, like, a lot of times you get routed. Like, I have a favorite restaurant in the local town, and then it is easier to order online, but they don't have, like, a mechanism. Like, they don't have a mechanism through their website to order. So I understand, like, that is kind of cool that, like, you can go online and order, but I just don't think it really benefits the restaurant in any way, other than, like, yeah. it does drive traffic to them, but sure. I could just call them if I wasn't lazy and put it yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. So anyway, that's a funny little side tangent uh that uh that came up today so i have another beer news this is i'm sorry a sad beer news we have too many sad beer news i know but this is a brewery closing but this is important okay liberation brewing company <gasps> no it's closing are you it closed. serious it's closed yeah it's gone the one from the documentary from the documentary yeah yeah this is too sad yeah what happened one started by uh, the guy from real big fish yes um, you know, they had a great opening and they were doing really well. And then COVID-19 hit. Yeah. They had, they were, because it, it took them a while to like really have a profitable month. But they, they were, they did eventually. And then they were doing pretty good. And then COVID-19 was hard. One of the things they had done in order to like make some money was they had brought in like a restaurant. It was a, not just food trucks parked outside, but it was like they, they brought in stuff. They were inside. 
Okay, so they had like a full-on restaurant that they yeah. did. They like co-brand with or something. They like or, yeah, yeah. co-branded with them. So it was sort of a joint venture inside the the space that was helping pay the bills, and it also helped them stay open a little bit more during COVID because they had the food, which was oh a, right, some of the regulations or like yeah, like instead of yeah. just being just serving alcohol and being closed, they would be it's because they had food they were able to stay open. So. Uh, so that helped, but that became harder and harder. And then for whatever reason, that restaurant left or closed. And so they that stopped. So they were paying for the whole rent themselves. They just couldn't sustain it. So That's a bummer. That's really sad. I feel so and, emotionally connected because we saw the documentary. <laughs> yeah. So they closed. Okay. Guess, guess who's going into the space? Oh, don't tell me. Beachwood. <gasps> no <laughs> this is really like star wars but darth vader wins at the end you guys gotta watch the documentary for like the full context yeah yeah so anyway beachwood was a competing brewery in long beach and that they had some beef with yeah yeah so beachwood actually they're not doing the brewery though they're doing a craft distillery in the space oh is that gonna be a thing now i guess yeah what i guess a lot of people have been asking for that what are they making as far as like I don't, I don't know yeah, I don't know. Hmm, that's interesting. Wow, the double insult. We're not even going to use your brewery, your dead brewery, to beer beer. Yeah, we don't need to brew beer. We're going <laughs> to we start make something of good new. Beer in our brewery. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I'm really bummed out. This is okay. going to be. A, I'm sad for the whole rest of the episode. All right, let me give you another one. This is like this is sort of neutral news, but it's very interesting. Okay. So we talked about World Beer Cup last week on the podcast. Yeah. So I didn't realize Allagash White. Have you had that? Yes. Okay. So Allagash White is widely regarded internationally as one of the best versions of a Belgian wit style. Okay. It is widely regarded, held up as the standard for Belgian wit. And they entered the competition, the world beer competition, with their Allagash White in the Belgian wit category. There were, I think, like 103 beers in this category. Allagash won a medal, the bronze. There were no other medals given. <laughs> what do you mean? There's no silver and no gold? No. So it is not a requirement. In the World Beer Cup, it is not a requirement for all three medals to be given. Okay, who were they friends with? Wow. But there was... So it was regarded as the best wit beer tasted out of all the 103 wit beers that were except for the two but, that beat it that they didn't disclose yeah no they, there weren't like it wasn't that there were two beers into oh, okay. the competition that were better they just didn't give they didn't give a silver and a gold to oh. anybody wait why like they decided that it was a bronze medal whip beer but the silver and gold didn't enter, you know, That's so like weird. like there are two phantom beers out there. Yes, yeah, my cynical brain, my cynical brain went to like, oh, there's two beers that were better, but they didn't want to ruin the reputation of Allagash. So they just didn't disclose that they award them. But you're no, saying that's kind of more of an insult. They said like, oh, yeah, you're the best. But you're out of these 103 lots. beers that entered the competition. You were the best. And like logic would say like you that that would be the gold beer. That would be the gold medal in that category. Yeah, I right? don't understand how that's not the gold. If you, like, at the Olympics, if you do the best figure skater score, <laughs> I'm betraying my yeah. lack of knowledge, you get the gold. They don't say, oh, wait, no, like, relative to other years, you didn't do yeah. good enough to get a gold. Well, yeah, I mean, you could, you would have, you, if you had 10 skaters and say they all did crappy performances, like, 
you still rated somebody better than everybody else. Someone did less crappy than everyone else. Like you would put them as they get gold. You don't just like, oh, there's just nobody gets gold this year. That's so weird. And that's yeah. like a super famous beer. So like yeah. to not give them gold is such a kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. So Allagash handled handled it very well. Um, <laughs> they didn't go on a big rant like me. No, they had um, only good things to say. And honestly, they're it's like they, that beer has won so many awards that they don't even care. Okay. They're like whatever. But, we don't care yeah. about you. In solidarity, I was going to I was going to drink them on the podcast today. And apparently they don't distribute to Texas anymore. They, I think they did at some point, but I was at my bottle shop getting this Lizard Queen Goza, and I and then I asked the guy like, "Hey, do you have Allagash White?" And he was like, "Nope, they don't distribute to Texas anymore." So, oh, strange. And I looked it up, and it's true. Okay, I, so for context, Allagash White on Beer Advocate is the number three top-rated whip really? beer. Really? Okay. With five thousand eight hundred and eighteen ratings. And it sits at a 93. There's only two above it. There's Beer Blanche from Side Project Brewing. That okay. sits at 95, but they only have 90 ratings. And then the number one is Apricot Funky Wit from Perennial Artisan Ales. That hmm. sits at 97, but that's only based on 42 ratings. Okay. So yeah, they have 5,800 ratings, and they sit at 93. Yeah. So you still almost consider that number one. Yeah, kind of. I mean, just don't have enough ratings. It's pretty impressive to have that many ratings and have that high of a score. So, very interesting. That's such a strange story. But they said, I mean, that like the scoring at the World Beer Cup is a little bit funky, and it's only it's happened maybe like 15 times or something that they've not awarded like a a certain medal. So they just reserve the right not to give silver or gold if they don't feel like yeah. it was earned yeah. Yeah. dang they're strict yeah or they could give no medals in the category <laughs> they're like no one's first second or third you all suck <laughs> yeah. was very very interesting yeah if there's no medals awarded in a category is there there's no beers even mentioned to that yeah they just say hey a thousand there are like a hundred beers under this category none of them there were no, no medals no given. no no noteworthy no entries yeah <laughs> man they're brutal it's pretty messed up huh yeah, yeah. So. all right well that was very interesting all right so whoo that was a lot to get through i'm sorry all right a lot of tangents if you're still listening we appreciate you yeah it's all actually kind of kind of uh related to our topic today anyway so about being a cicerone about beer tasting and beer judging and oh, okay are we ready for the main topic yeah let's do it all right so say we want to become cicerones What's the plural of Cicerone? Is it Cicerones? Cicerones. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just Cicerones, yeah. All right. I think my my version is cooler, but that's fine. What do we got to do, Stephen? So, first of all, for a long time, uh, people just, they just said sommelier of beer. Okay, right? So if you're oh, a okay. wine, wine expert, you're a sommelier. Uh, until they finally decided to make their own term for that the cicerone certification program was founded by ray daniels who is a a expert brewer he was a beer writer a beer judge for a long time so he started this cicerone certification program they have a four levels and each you have to you have to finish each level before you can move on to the next level okay level one there's no prerequisites except there's like a five question quiz you have to answer first you have to get 100 percent on it <laughs> it's like you a five out of five 
Yeah, it's like a five-question quiz about the Cicerone certification program, and you can just take it a bunch of times to try and get it. Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But yeah, it's okay. just this little little five-question quiz. Make sure you know what you're doing, I guess. <laughs> it's like just a little bit of an entry. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, could, we then, pa- could we pass it, do you think? Probably, yeah. Okay. I think, I think if you read, like, the front page of their website you could probably pass their five question quiz uh and then they for 69 dollars you take you get two attempts to take a 60 question multiple choice test you have to get 75 percent or higher so 45 out of 60 questions you have to get right okay and if you do that and you don't get any notes it's a closed book quiz if you pass that then you are a beer server certified beer server so there's mostly questions just about like glassware and pouring beer and a lot of like if you were to get a job serving beer at a brewery they would have you they would require that you pass this test so it's really just the entry level uh certification for people who are serving beer basically so that is level one okay uh that's super obtainable yeah. Really, just, really just pay the money, study just a little bit, and you'll be fine. Then level two, this is the first real Cicerone certification. So if you pass level two, you are a certified Cicerone. You can put that logo on your business card. You can advertise that you are a certified Cicerone. So what you're you saying is it. we both need to pass level two so we can put it on the podcast description. Yeah, Two yeah, exactly. Cicerones bringing you <laughs> beer news. Exactly. So level two is where the commitment for both time and money come in. So obviously the prerequisite to level two is having a level one certification. Then there's a written exam, which costs $225 and a tasting practical exam that costs $175. So $400 total. Okay. Uh, You have to get 80% or better on the written exam and 70% or better on the tasting practical how many beers do we have to how many beers are you tasting on the practical do you know six okay so here's what the test this is what they're testing you on so it so there's 71 styles recognized by the beer judge certification program the bjcp you have to know all 71 styles their color range their abv range their ibu range their original gravity final gravity ratios and their of course their flavor profiles and yeast usage and and uh, yeast flavors that kind of stuff okay uh so they're going to test you on all those styles they're going to test you on draft and keg knowledge so beer line cleaning uh carbonation you know using how to carbon correctly carbonate beer with co2 all that so all the beer serving side then you have beer brewing so beer brewing processes beer brewing equipment how to brew beer that kind of stuff this is just level two out of four yes oh my goodness then there's food and beer pairing okay what beers pair with what foods Okay. And then in the tasting test, you would do the two main things are you're going to uh, distinguish styles. So sometimes they'll, they'll give you two beers and they'll say which one is the milk stout, which one is the Irish stout. So two like similar styles. Which yeah, one? like close. 
<clears throat> which one is a Pilsner and which one's a Kolsch, and you have to tell them. So they'll do those. Then they'll also give you six beers. You have to taste them. I think on these, they tell you the style. You have to drink it. You have to say whether it is okay to be served or whether there's an off flavor. Oof. And if there is an off flavor, why <laughs> is there an off flavor? What happened to it? Okay. How many of these do we have to get right? Um, 70% on that. Yikes. On the tasting. So. That's scary. Yeah. So probably like four or five or six. Four. You got to get four then, out of six. Uh, yeah. Four out of six. And then you have to nail your styles too distinguishing styles so that is level two most people take one to two years to prepare for that i believe it if you have to it's a lot of knowledge if you have to know is it 71 styles you said yeah yeah that's a lot if you have to know like the color the gravity the tasting on 71 different styles this is like like, the bar of beer (laughs) yeah yeah, it has a 40% pass rate. Yikes. Which is lower than the bar. Yikes. <laughs> and that may be because, like, a certain percentage of people go into it. Yeah, not knowing, un- like, unprepared. what they're getting into. Yeah. I actually read a great article following this beer writer that was, like, trying to go through it. He took 11 months to get ready, and he passed. But he nice. said at one point somebody got up out of the test and was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I just walked out. They're like, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to pass. Yeah. But yeah, so 40% pass rate. There is a road to Cicerone boot camp you can take. It's a week-long course um, that does, like, your tasting beers every day and doing all this stuff. It's $2,000. Oof. But they do they guarantee you? Is there, like, a guarantee that you'll pass? or No. Yikes. In fact, they don't even... You would think that they would, like, do that, and then, like, you would take the test, like, soon. Right. right, so it's like fresh in your mind, yeah. Yeah, no, they don't let you take it right away because, I don't know, they don't want to like correlate it to guaranteeing that you're going to pass the test just because you did the course or whatever, so. Huh, that's weird. There's like a, because that's a whole industry for other things. I'm not familiar with the bar, but if you want to become a CPA, there's a couple review courses that are about the same price. They're probably mm-hmm. way more now, but where they basically just prepare you as much as possible and then you just take the test like right after you do the course there's four sections and then i think they actually do like guarantee like if you don't pass you can retake the course at like a reduced cost (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's interesting that's interesting that they say like no you gotta wait (laughs) they want like a cool off period between the boot camp and the test so you can't be like i just came out the boot camp and it still didn't pass like what the heck so that is level two so that i mean that really is the bulk of it i mean you become the certified cicerone at that point you can really just call it quits. I mean, at that point, like no one, like people aren't really. Yeah. What's question, the benefit of going to like the next level? Yeah. So the next level really is going to be people like really in the beer industry. Probably, uh, if you want to become like a a more like you want to be a judge at beer festivals and stuff, and you want to do that oh, okay. more, um, you're probably going to do advanced to more levels. So level three, that's called advanced cicerone, and it's that's a written another written test and a practical test same thing right it's just it's just going to challenge you more they're going to do more challenging styles and stuff 75% you have to pass the practical at 75% and then overall between the written and the practical you have to get an 80% so that's advanced cicerone and that's $800 to do that total ooh that's pricey like 375 and 425 between the two tests oh okay yeah adding them up yeah and then 
to become a level four, which is a master Cicerone. Uh, that's a thousand dollars. You, it's one big test comprising of written, which, and this is not like multiple choice questions. This is like essay style questions. Okay. On beer processes and beer pairings and stuff. Uh, there's an oral part of the exam. And then the tasting practical, where, again, you're doing off flavors, beer style uh, recognition, beer style distinguishing. And this test is two days long, and it's once a year in Chicago. Wait, really? They only do it once a year? Yeah, the Master Cicerone test. Two days happens once a year in Chicago. That's epic. And then you're a level four? Then you're a level four at Master Do they have any numbers on, like, how many people do that, or...? Mm, no, I didn't. I actually didn't look that up. See how many master cicerones there are. Dude, I want to do it just so I can meet the people that go. <laughs> Those are like the truest beer nerds on the planet. The people you right? run into at the level four test. Yeah, it kind of like makes you want to just like hang out outside. Uh huh. Be like, hey, are you going in to take the level four? <laughs> What's your favorite beer? <laughs> Uh, there are currently in the world, there are less than 4,200 Cicerones. Wait, really? This is an elite fraternity. Yeah, 121 advanced Cicerones and only 18 master Cicerones. Oh, okay. So you might not, if there's only 18 level fours, there might be years where no one even tries. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe everyone fails. Yeah. There's only 18 level fours. We should become level fours, dude. <laughs> Then we can really have clout on the podcast. But like we're number 19 and number 20. Do you get like a number on your uh, <laughs> certificate? I'm the 19th Cicerone, in the, level four Cicerone in the world. Yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me get the let me get the official numbers from Cis, the actual Cicerone. Okay. Because those may have been old numbers. Uh, you know, I'll postscript this for sure. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll get, I'll get exact numbers. Okay, no, it's so another thing I want to talk about, I mentioned this uh, beer judge certification program guideline styles, the BJCP. Okay. So this is also another certification program that you can go through. This is more geared towards like becoming a beer judge. They have a 180 question exam. Oh, okay. And then, oh, okay. So this is the six beer judging practical. So that may be different from the, the Cicerone. This, this is the one I was thinking of that had six beers. I don't know how many beers are in the other one, but between the written exam and the practical exam, you get an overall rating. Okay. And that rating gives you a title. So you could be a recognized beer judge, a certified beer judge, a national beer judge, a master beer judge, or a grand master beer judge. In order to... So you can... Continually, you can retake the exam and move up the ladder as you get better. And then you also can move up with experience points. So you get experience. an RPG? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like level up? That's cool. <laughs> so you get experience points. Uh, there's two different kinds of experience points. Non-judging experience points and judging experience points. Okay. So non-judging experience points are if you organize some sort of beer competition, mm -hmm. you can get beer experience points. Okay. Uh, so if you're an organizer, and then it, and then if you are staff, like if you work the beer competition. Okay, you get points there. Like you're not a judge, but you're somehow you're you're staffing the the beer competition. That's more points, and you get more points based on how many entries, beer entries there are into the competition. Okay. 
And then, it, and then of course, if you're an actual beer judge in the beer competition, then you would get judging experience points. Mm. And again, those are based on how many entries into the beer competition there are. So you can gather non-judging and judging experience points, add those to your test scores, get an overall score, and become you know a master, or grandmaster eventually. Cool. Yeah. So those are the two main sort of beer knowledge certification programs. Canada has one. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, the Cicerone program has definitely become the most highly regarded and sought after. Okay, so now I have to ask you, because before you wanted to become a level two, is that still <laughs> a goal for you? <laughs> um, I think so. I think I could do it. I don't know how soon I'd be able to do that. Yeah. So it was really interesting, like, reading the article uh, from the guy who was doing it. Basically going from, I mean, he was a beer, like a food and beer writer, you know? So he had, like, a general beer knowledge, but he definitely had, like, a base knowledge. Probably similar to mine, honestly. Going from that to Cicerone in 11 months was a lot. He He tasted 220 different beers in that time. Wow. In 11 months? Yeah. He, it was really funny. He was actually, the hardest thing for him was distinguishing a Pilsner with a Kolsch. Okay. He just couldn't do it. Yeah, (laughs) what if you get like totally stumped on one of those? Yeah, so he was constantly testing himself on that like over and over and over again. (laughs) And it, it wasn't even on the test. Oh my goodness, all that practice. He's like, he's like, yeah, the guy next to me didn't know why I was laughing, but that's why I was laughing because the, out. the one he did, he knew he was going to have our time with wasn't even on the desk and the one he'd been practicing the most for. But it was really interesting because he talked about how like he started noticing new, new aromas and flavors in everything like uh, his coffee. Oh, not just beer because he's like training himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, kits you can buy, off-flavor kits. Oh, to test for that part of it, or to practice for that part. Yeah, so it gives a little bit of these uh, chemicals, and then you put them in beer. You have, like, somebody blind taste, you know, blindly put them in beers for you, and then you have to find the off-flavors. So he said that was pretty useful. Like, he he did that. He actually did, ran through that whole thing with all the off-flavors, like, the night before the test. Okay. And he said he was able to like pick out off flavors really quickly. So that's awesome. Uh, so, but he did in eleven months. Did he say like about how much he was? Well, if he drank that many beers, that's twenty. I calculated that's drinking twenty different beers a month. So, it's doable, but that's a lot. I think I'm sure he dedicated a lot of time to that. And you know, you got to memorize the seventy-one styles. And yeah, he had flashcards on his phone. Yeah, I was gonna say he probably had flashcards for that. Yep, constant flashcard setting. So this guy, it's like going back to school. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. I think it'd be rewarding. I think it'd be really cool. But I think I think it would be too. Maybe you should make it a goal, but like not eleven months seems aggressive. You said the average period is one to two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's more reasonable. I think it can be done. But just like I don't know, you know, the thought of like doing school again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> that's why you should go yeah you, it's hard to go back yeah, yeah if you want to get a lot of school done just get it all done at once because when you stop i'm always amazed at people who do like masters and phd programs and stuff I'm like god i think if you don't stop it's doable you just gotta think okay i'm keeping my head down i'm gonna grind it out right 
Yeah. I was always impressed by the people that like, I remember because I did accounting, someone came back, they had been, they had got a degree in something and then they had worked in private industry for like 10 years. And then they were back because they realized like, oh, you know, my degree is not the earning potential on it is not very high. So I'm going to yeah. get like an in-demand degree in. Right. I thought that was interesting, like to start all over, basically. Pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah, I had a couple um, fellow students in nursing school who had um, who were coming to nursing as a second occupation. Like they had, uh, there's one guy who was in IT. Oh, that's a that's a weird shift. Yeah, um, IT has a good earning potential, but yeah, um, there was another yeah, a couple of people from like business and different things that like just wanted a new career change and yeah, came to nursing. It's pretty interesting to see people like starting over in a whole new career. Props yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. I think I'm sure it's hard. So, yeah, I don't want to go back. I could probably do this as your own thing, though, because like, I don't know, drinking 200 beers doesn't sound like school to me. <laughs> the flashcards. Yeah, sounds it sounds a great. Daunting. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like doing the off flavor test and you doing see, all that that'd stuff. Be fun. Yeah, it's super interesting to me. I think that would be awesome. But but definitely like learning the styles and. That's I mean, the part. Kinda, part. You kind of have to like seek out those styles and try them too. Like, yeah, that's the tricky you're part. Not, is a lot you're not of drinking two hundred and twenty beers that you like. You're drinking. Yeah, and a lot of those are probably tricky to find. Sense. Yeah. So, huh, all right. Well, maybe we'll revisit this episode or this topic like in a future episode. Yeah. But if you uh, embark on the journey, or maybe if I do. Yeah, but that's what it takes. It's a lot of testing. <laughs> yeah, that's daunting. I would and like even what they were saying too. like you get a lot of people. So a lot of people do the Cicerone test like from different pers- perspectives, different areas of beer. So you might have brewers from a brewery that want to they all want to get Cicerone certified. Well, they know all about the brew process. Right. But maybe they don't know a lot about like kegging and draft lines and stuff like that. Or they don't know. But a lot of like the beer distribution people, beer equipment people. They're getting Cicerone certified, and they know a lot about that, but they don't know that much about brew process. So um, people kind of come at it from different perspectives, different uh, knowledge bases. And so it's just interesting to see, like, uh, you know, what parts of the test that you have to excel at and what or you might excel at and what parts you're going to have to study a whole lot more for. Where I feel like I have to study for all of it, <laughs> right, <laughs> like a lot like a, for all of it. <laughs> none of it is like a home run part for you. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but they huh. did say too that you should have like you should brew your own beer at least once. Well, yeah, and you've done that. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that they test you like on all the aspects. Like not only do you have to be able to taste it, you have to know how to brew it and serve it. They're not messing around. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool though. So the road to Cicerone, right, long nice. and windy. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, that was episode sixty-one. If you want to reach out to us, we're available on instagram at attenuation.podcast you can also reach us by email at contact.attenuation at gmail.com and yeah i think that's that's a wrap for this episode this has been episode 61 of attenuation a beer podcast my name is jason and i'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade steven that's me and we are saying cheers and we'll see you next week for episode 62 all right cheers buddy thanks for listening to this week's episode of attenuation a beer podcast Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers.